passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode, episode 184, For the Love of the Game, with yours truly, ATH, is brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball is back, people. College basketball is back, NBA is in the thick of it, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends on Bet Online. And not just basketball, it's for NFL, we're in the thick of it, NHL in the thick of it, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf, you name it, Bet Online has it. Head to betonline.ag. To join, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive 50% on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts with that said. Episode 184 for the love of the game. Let's get this work. I need you to pray for me. I need you to care for me. I need you to want me to win. I need to know where I'm headed because I know where I've been. Flows, bone crushes, nothing. I come up with something, come through the strip front stunt. It's something you won't 745 points, spinners, haters hate that I'm winning. Man, I've been hot from the beginning. Envy the kid, control your jealousy. Cause I can't control my temper, I'm finna catch a felony. When hand hold me, I'm down to get it. No, I ain't stopping till my is empty, I'm simply. Not that you should try your luck with a Just drop with your bones, but smoke is still what? Lay your damn paramedics, get you up right now on the edge, so don't push You know what it is, it's your boy ATH, episode 184 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network. We are back, back in the saddle, back behind the mic, and I got a couple of things to get off my chest. We're going to talk about the Knicks in a second. I actually recorded my monologue last night before the game against Utah. And let's just say, not a whole lot has changed, even though the Knicks win. We'll get to them in a second. But first, let's start off with some positives, all right? Let's be positive around here for a little bit. And that's the New York Giants. Heading into Week 11, 7-2. Came off the bye. We're a little rusty, an ugly win. But 7-2 is 7-2. And And in the NFL, we don't apologize for wins around here, especially for a team that hasn't been relevant in six years. So... Yeah, 7-2, and two, they even covered the spread. That was good for yours, truly. Couple of notes. One, I mean, the offense was just was just lousy. I mean, not so much in terms of, like, Daniel Jones didn't play well, but they weren't sharp. A lot of bad penalties. At the end of the first half, Daniel Jones took a bad sack, which cost them a couple of points. You can't be doing that against good teams. Now, the Houston Texans are probably the worst team in the league, but... 
a win is a win. A win is a win. And we saw a game at a Saquon Barkley where it was just like, Houston is really bad against the run. Give me the ball over 30 times, and we're going to win the game, and that's exactly what happened. He's 26 is just the best. I mean, Daniel Jones was good throwing the football. I mean, he was 13 for 17, only threw 17 times, which is still a little alarming, but no turnovers. That was good. Took a couple of bad sacks, a couple of bad penalties, which pushed them at a field position, but overall, a win is a win. And then they head into this weekend at home against the Detroit Lions, who are coming off a win. The Lions are not particularly good. The fact that they're going to potentially have eight wins going into the Thanksgiving game against the Dallas Cowboys, and that game being super important. If you said that before the season, every single Giant fan would have laughed you out of the building. Every single one. Myself very much included. Every single one. So this is a testament to the coaching staff. It's a testament to Daniel Jones not turning the ball over, which again is more so the coaching staff than him. It's a testament to how great Saquon Barkley is when he's healthy. Defense has been solid, but yeah, you can't say enough good things about the coaching staff. A couple of notes around the NFL. One, I said it last week, I'll say it again. Tua Tagovailoa, my guy Tua, continues to ball out. 39 points against a good Browns defense. Made some throws that showed off some arm strength. I mean, Emmanuel Acho was all over it on Twitter. You can go search that on Twitter. Search the videos. He had great breakdowns. So for all those who said Tua doesn't have the arm strength, nonsense. All right? You know who also didn't have the best arm? Steve Young. Steve Young was pretty freaking good. So I don't want to hear that about Tyreek Hill is the only reason Tua is great. And Tyreek Hill has been awesome. If you had to give an MVP vote to a non-quarterback this year, it would probably be Tyreek Hill. But Tua's throwing them open as well. You know, Jalen Waddle too. I mean, it's a fun Dolphins team. A really fun Dolphins team that I enjoy watching. And it's time to put some respect on Tua's name. It's time to put some respect. I've been saying it for weeks, and I'm going to continue to do so until... I see more people doing it. Bills-Vikings. The game of the weekend. Just a topsy-turvy game. The Buffalo Bills. What's going on with them, man? Just bad turnovers. And yeah, you have a botched snap, a fumble. That happens. But Josh Allen with the interceptions, it's not great right now. He's, he's got to rein it in just a little bit. Trent Dilfer was on with Ryan Rosillo this week. He was talking about how... Josh Allen tries to do the Superman cape thing all the time. And if he just did it 5% less, and guys go through with this, you know, once in a while when you're that great. I mean, Patrick Mahomes a little bit last year, same kind of thing. Just rate it in 5% more, and the Bills are going to be fine. I'm still super high on the Bills. I still think push comes to shove. They're the best team in the AFC and probably the best bet uh, to win the Super Bowl. But... Josh has to figure it out a little bit. He's got to figure it out. Too many turnovers. Too many turnovers. I know he wasn't really supposed to play this week with the uh, the elbow thing, but that's not an excuse at this point. It's just a couple of mental lapses here or there that he's got to cut out. And But this, to me, is even more about the Vikings. I still am a Viking skeptic. I still am a major Kirk Cousins skeptic, even though... It's hard to be a Kirk Thuggins skeptic. That was great on social media the last couple of weeks. 
<laughs> with him uh, celebrating on the plane. Shirt off, chains on, Kirk Thuggins. I mean, it's it's great. Absolutely great. But what a win for the Vikings. Again, a team that I think a lot of people are still skeptical on. But to come from behind in Buffalo, on the road, it's a major, major win. Big time win. And as great as Justin Jefferson is, and he made the catch of the year probably on that 4th and 18 one-handed catch. Just absurd. Like the Odell Beckham catch. Same kind of deal, just just ridiculous. But Kirk Cousins made a lot of big throws in that game. A lot of big throws. And again, for a team that, and for a quarterback that you have major questions if they can ever come from behind in a big game when needed to, Kirk Cousins showed you a little something on Sunday. So kudos to him. But yeah, the Bills need to clean up a couple of things. And I'm not off the Bills. I'm not completely on the Vikings, but... Still, it's a great win for the Vikings. I said it last week. I'll say it again. Patrick Mahomes is the best. He's just the best. Another big game. It's routine at this point. I mean, I think he's had, I thought I saw the stat, and forgive me if I'm not 100% correct on this, but I think like 80% of his games he's thrown for over 350 yards in his career. It's just a different breed. It's a different breed. And he's probably the front runner now for MVP now that Josh Allen's come back down to earth. Obviously, we still have half the season to go, but Patrick Mahomes is still just unbelievably incredible and, and probably on a tier of his own and a class of his own in terms of quarterbacks. And the last thing I'll say about the NFL is the Jeff Saturday situation. So Frank Reich is fired from the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts have been largely lethargic this year, especially on offense, just absolutely anemic. Frank Reich, you know, offensive guy, he gets canned. And Jeff Saturday goes from working on ESPN and doing a little bit of scouting for the front office for the Colts to the head coaching seat. And people are up in arms. The fact that, like, he doesn't have credentials. All he does is coach high school football. Like, what does he know Well, maybe the fact that he's been in locker rooms and has been a pro bowler and an anchor on an offensive line that was great and played on great teams, won a Super Bowl, knows what it's like to be in a locker room, be in a huddle, maybe that counts for something, it turns out. And what do you know, after taking a bath in the media by all these guys Bill Cowher included, who, by the way, if you go back and read, it's not like Bill Cowher, when he got the Pittsburgh Steelers job, was so highly qualified, all right? He goes on a tirade about coach hiring and how Jeff Saturday bypassed all these things, and then all of a sudden we get the the racism component to it, which is always wonderful, right? Because it always has to be about the color of somebody's skin, not somebody's temperament, not somebody's personality, not somebody's knowledge. But fine, all right, that's to be expected in the year 2022. And then Jeff Saturday goes out and beats the Oakland Raiders, 25-20. And his speech when he was introduced to the media was awesome. And his speech post-game was awesome. It turns out that maybe that guy has something. I don't know if it's going to continue to work. Who knows? 
But to pan it the way it was panned before even giving it a chance because there needed to be some sort of exact formula that you have to go through to get hired to coach in the NFL is nonsense. Absolutely nonsense. It's just ridiculous. The whole thing was ridiculous. And he shut all the haters up, at least for one week. And again, we'll see how it goes. But like to to pan it the way it was panned without giving it a chance was absurd. It was absolutely absurd. And I loved every second of his post-game speech, every second of the fact that he won the game and basically shoved it in everybody's face for a week. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. All right, so now we go on to picks against the spread for this week. Your boy had a really good week. Week 10 was kind to your boy. 4-1, and one, and the only loss I had was because I didn't see before I gave it out that Matt Stafford was going to be in concussion protocol. The Rams are an absolute mess. So 4-1 last week, 26-24-1 on the season. We are above 500. So without further ado, the Giants, minus three. We're going back to the well against the Detroit Lions at home. I just think the Giants are good. And a good team playing against a bad team, minus three at home, I think is a great play. By the way, all these lines are brought to you by betonline.ag, the presenting sponsor of this podcast. So first, we got Giants minus three. Second, we've got the Bears plus three against the Atlanta Falcons. I think on a neutral field, the Bears are better. I I don't know. I I just, so I'm going to take the points here. Like, I don't trust the Falcons. Why should you ever trust the Falcons? So I got the Falcons plus three. I've got the Vikings plus one against the Cowboys, at home against the Cowboys. I know I've been a Kirk Cousins skeptic, but this isn't a primetime game. The Vikings have only lost once this season. Dallas is is shaky. I, I still don't see what a lot of people see in Dak Prescott. I don't trust him in a big game, so I'm going to take the points there. I've got the Bengals minus four and a half in Pittsburgh. I know TJ Watt is back, and TJ Watt makes all the difference for the Steelers, but I think this is a revenge game from week one. I think coming off the bye, the Bengals are going to be a little sharp, so I got the Bengals minus four and a half, and then I got the Buffalo Bills minus eight and a half against the Browns. If the Bills are who I think they are, they're going to come out and absolutely wallop the Browns at home. Wallop them. I mean, Jacoby Brissett, I don't think is very good. And if the Bills are that team that I believe they are, they should win this game going away. So again, Giants minus three, Bears plus three, Vikings plus one, Bengals minus four and a half, Buffalo minus eight and a half your week. 11 picks against the spread. All right, so before I bring on a recurring guest, because we're going to talk some more NBA stuff, we did our predictions, and we're going to see a couple of games into the season, what we like, what we don't like early on in terms of our predictions. I got to talk about the Knicks. So the Knicks, 500 team, not very good, not very bad, just so average in every respect of the word. I wanted to do this rant before yesterday's game, after the debacle at home against Oklahoma City. I know it was a 12 p.m. game, but still they gave up 145 points to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Not prime Golden State Warriors, 
We're talking the Oklahoma City Thunder. 145 points to the Oklahoma City Thunder for a team that is apparently coached by a defensive mastermind. Or at least he was in 2008. Not so much anymore. But yeah, 145 points. So I was ready to have my rant there and how angry I am and how much I despise this team. But because of the recording schedule and the fact that my guest is coming on later today. So I, I decided to wait till the game against Utah. The Utah Jazz, by the way, have lost three straight games. So for a team that started out super hot, that their over-under was 22.5, maybe that's for a reason because the bloom is coming off Utah, but we'll see. But again, they were 6-0 at home Utah, and the Knicks come in to Utah and win a game. But nothing about last night's win proves anything that I felt about the team wrong after they lost against Oklahoma City Thunder. So for every single game where the Knicks have played an all-star level talent, like a real all-star, Laurie Markkinen's a fringe guy this year, but a real all-star, they don't win, right? Because they don't have the horses to compete against that guy. Whenever they play a team with no real all-star, they win. Okay, fine. So they beat the teams that they're supposed to beat, but they lose against the teams that they're supposed to lose to. I think they should beat the Oklahoma City Thunder, but I guess not. You know, because Shea Gilgis-Alexander is that special. And by the way, he was on Sunday again. Um, But here's the situation at hand, all right? What the hell is this team? What is the purpose of this team? Where is this team going? The answer is, as currently constructed, it is going nowhere. A fast track to nowhere. And I found it so funny that Julius Randle, a guy who's an absolute albatross on defense, all year calls a players-only meeting before the game against Utah. And yeah, they won the game. Julius Randle was a minus 12 in the game against Utah. Minus 12. The guy who is the quote-unquote leader of the team is a minus 12. And his backup, who didn't play nearly enough minutes, and we'll get to that in just a second, was a plus 23. Julius Randle was 15 points, 5 rebounds, 1 assist, Shot 5 of 11, made two threes, minus 12 for the game. Played typical, terrible defense outside one block shot. Yet he played 31 minutes. Obi Toppin was a plus 23. And you can see it with your own two eyes. When he's on the court, the ball moves. As opposed to Julius Randle holding the ball and everything stopping. Right? So he's a plus 23 and only played 18 minutes. 9 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists in 18 minutes, a plus 23. Only 18 minutes. What the hell is going on here? everybody with a brain and two eyes who knows what they're watching knows that Obi Toppin should be playing over Julius Randle. But no, Tom Thibodeau, who coaches the team, clearly doesn't look at the stat sheet. 
or that he's so indebted to Julius Randle after his fluke season when nobody was in the stands that he can't move off of Julius Randle. It's ridiculous already. It is absolutely ridiculous. I am actively rooting for the Knicks to lose now. Every single game, I'm actively rooting for them to lose because Tibbs needs to be fired. Leon Rose needs to be fired. And we'll get to that in just a second. Julius Randle needs to go. And R.J. Barrett stinks, all right? So we talked about Tibbs. The team is terrible defensively. If Jalen Brunson didn't bail them out in the fourth quarter... Tibbs is really on the hot seat, and it's a shame that he did because he should be fired. And the fact that Jalen Brunson is our go-to scorer in the fourth quarter just goes to show you how far we are from actually being a contender or being worth anything. Because Jalen Brunson is good. He's a little bit above average. He's not top 10 in his position. He's never going to make an all-star team. He's not going to sniff an all-NBA team. But that's our savior in the fourth quarter. Not great. Not great. So Tibbs cut down the rotation to nine players, but still, Quentin Grimes didn't play, who is deemed untouchable in a Donovan Mitchell trade. Does that make a whole lot of sense? Is his foot that injured? Because if it is, then put him on the injured list. But if he's available to play, he's got to play. Thank goodness Evan Fournier is out of the rotation right now. Finally, something smart. But like, what are we doing here? Why is Derrick Rose getting major minutes? What is the point? There's no point to anything that they've done. All right? And... It just goes to show you that they have all these fourth and fifth and sixth men that they don't have the guy. And guess what? The guy was out there this offseason who wanted to come to them, but the price was deemed too heavy because R.J. Barrett's only 22 and, and he has promised. Yeah, it's year four and he has a career PER of just over 12. He's so Average And yes, I believed that he had a Chris Milton-like ceiling. Make a couple of all-star games, can be the second or third best player on a championship team. I I believed that. And then I was told by my idiot friends who clearly don't know anything about basketball, and shout out to them because I tell them this all the time and I've been deemed right again. They were telling me that R.J. Barrett is a future star, future superstar. R.J. Barrett last night, 5 of 18 from the field, can't finish a layup, 8 for 14 from the line. He's actually shot okay from the free throw line this year. 18 points. R.J. Barrett for the year, 18, almost 19 points a game, 5.2 rebounds a game, almost 3 assists per game, has tunnel vision, a PER of 12.31. And again, PER is not a perfect stat, but he's... Not even top 150th in the league in PER. And this is the crown jewel. This is the crown jewel. Somebody who Fred Katz called a less athletic DeMar DeRozan. He stinks. He does nothing above average. But I was told that he couldn't be the center 
piece of a deal when he still had value, by the way, because now he has no value because he's not very good and he's being paid $30 million a year. But I was told that this summer, when he still had some value, that the price was too high to include him in a Donovan Mitchell deal. For a team that needs to consolidate to play its young players, they had the deal in the offseason on the table and they didn't do it. This team is going nowhere fast, and I'm actively, actively rooting for them to lose. I don't care that they won the game last night. I would, I wish they would have lost because the coach needs to be fired. The general manager needs to be fired. Julius Randle needs to be traded. And by the way, get ready to attach picks to trying to trade Julius Randle because he has no value and he has a terrible contract. Get ready for that. For all those who are like, oh, the Knicks are hoarding picks. Knicks are hoarding picks. Well, get ready, if you want Julius Randle gone, to move on from some of those picks. Which just goes to show you how toxic of an asset that is, that you're going to have to give up first-round picks to get off a guy. Oh, and by the way, A.J. Griffin for the Hawks, who the Knicks could have drafted in this year's draft, but they decided to punt again to accrue more picks to trade for a star player, but didn't end up trading for the star player again because it makes so much fucking sense. He's looked pretty good for the Hawks. It's a rudderless ship. It's a rudderless ship with an idiot for a president of operations. The coach is a relic and needs to be put out to pasture. Their quote-unquote leader is a fraud and their young, you know, emerging star is anything but. Congratulations. I'd like to say I'm not going to rant on the Knicks anymore this year, but I I can't promise that. But it's just, they're really not worth your time. They're not until something changes. With that said, we're going to bring on a recurring guest to talk about the things we may have gotten right, we may have gotten wrong in our preseason predictions, and we'll get to him in just a matter of moments. So I mentioned it. In the monologue, now that my anti-Knicks rant is over, even though they happen to have won two games in a row at the time of this recording, it's a band-aid on an axe wound. Don't even buy it for a second, but he's back. Mr. Avi Wexler, we're going to talk about some of our predictions that we feel good about, some of the things we don't feel so good about. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. Can't wait to get into it. Let's do it. So let's start off here, right? So we're about 12, 13 games into the season. Actually, a little bit more than that. Um, We're going to go back and forth uh, with five pleasant surprises. It can be a player. It can be a team. We're going to go back and forth and uh, just, you know, things that we didn't really see coming, but we are enjoying so far about this NBA season. So obviously... Since you are the guest, I'm going to let you go first. What is your first pleasant surprise about this NBA season so far? Um, I, I really, I know it's so early on in the season, but I really have to say it's just how good all of these teams that you and I perceive that we're going to be in a big time tank, like a Brad Pitt Fury tank for Wembenyama and Scoot uh, have been playing so far this season. Uh, I'm pulling up the standings right here, but just looking at the fact that like a team like the trailblazers is like in first right now in the Western conference at 10 and yep. four is crazy. Or the fact that 
the Kings right now, you know, as we as we thought, like maybe they're going to be an eight seed. They're an eight seed right now. They're they're right there with like the Clippers and the Timberwolves. Um, and then on the East side, you have uh, a pretty fun fact that like the Pacers are the six seed. The Raptors, who you and I, I think might have had a split of opinion on, are a five seed. Um, but yeah, I just I have to say like the the younger tanking teams that we expected to be good for the most part have been really like under uh, under understandably amazing uh, or under not understandably amazing there it doesn't really make any sense to me when you look at some of the guys on the jazz like Corey Markin is now just like all of a sudden the the top dog on a jazz team that's like somewhat good now like it doesn't make any sense well we'll see because the rose may be off that jazz thing because they've just lost three straight games one of them to my very mediocre new york knicks team but it's funny you, you mentioned a couple of the guys we we're gonna go back and forth you mentioned sure. a couple of the teams that we're gonna talk about three of which were on my list well actually mm-hmm. and one that you didn't even mention um the sacramento kings the san antonio spurs the indiana pacers and the oklahoma city thunder so where do you want to start um let's start Let's start on the Kings because you and I were high on the Kings going into the season. So I, I feel like you and I are feeling really confident in A, and we can, we'll get into it later about our over-under pick, but just about how this team has been night in, night out. I mean, right now they're 7-6, and six, um, but they've won four straight, right? Uh, so things are looking good. And not just that. De'Aaron Fox, who is a very divisive player among, you know, league executives, media members, do you know he's shooting over 60% in clutch situations this year? And not just that, that he has the most minutes in clutch situations this year. I mean, how great has he been? Yeah, he's he's been like a surprise standout individually. Um, and I think you made the great point where he is a very mercurial player, you know, some or polarizing. Some people don't like him. Some people think that he's just like a... Uh, uh, D'Angelo Russell type of player where he's like kind of a starting caliber point guard, but he's not really like a winning like point guard. Some guys are like, he's just in a bad system on a badly run team, which, you know, both things can be true at the same time, but right now he's having a really good start to the year. And it's one of those things where if you and I are Kings fans, or even if we're not Kings fans, but we're NBA fans, we kind of want to see this deer and Fox kind of stay with a Sabonis and, with other guys around him and see what he can actually work on now that he has like somewhat of a functioning team around him. So I, I, I didn't know the the statistics about him, I guess, in clutch shooting, but it's, it's not a surprise I'd say is more, it's like a, it's like a, it's, it's a hopeful outlook, I guess, on how things are going to be going for him. Hopeful the season. Where were you on Fox before the season started in terms of just like, where did you think he fit in, in relation to the other point guards in the league? Like, were you more of a – because it always came – you know, when they made the Halliburton trade, which we're going to talk about in a second, Yeah, were you more like they should have kept Halliburton over Fox? Why they give him the contract? Or were you more of like a Fox believer? Because I was a Fox guy. Okay. You liked him You liked him coming out of what, Kentucky? Or was it Duke? I forget. Kentucky, right? I liked him coming out of Kentucky. Uh, yeah. When I watched him play Lonzo, and I was a big Lonzo guy coming out of the draft also, which hasn't really hit to the, the – agree that I thought it would Um, when he destroyed him in the NCAA tournament, just absolutely just ate his lunch. I was like, all right, Mm -hmm. this guy, you know, he's ultra competitive and I like ultra competitive dudes. So I was always a Fox guy. I I, I think I was a little bit, I I kind of was a bit lukewarm on him. Like every time, 
like you like look at just kind of like the the rosters <clears throat> on paper and just see like in a nightly matchup who they're playing. I'm never like, oh, this team has to really game plan around De'Aaron Fox. Like he's not going to be the top guy, especially now that, in my opinion, at least that Sabonis is there. I, I, I'm fine with him. I, I think that he he's a nice piece type of player. Like I think he's like a, I think he's closer to like a Jalen Brunson than he is a D'Angelo Russell, but I don't really know how I would rank him against a lot of the other guards. Granted though, he's been in a pretty bad situation for the last, I mean, basically since he got into the league, you know? So I, I, I'm rooting for him, but I'm not like, I'm not ready to like crown him as a, you know, top 15 point guard in the league. I don't know if that's, if that's terrible. I just think the the position is so saturated as it is that I'm just, I'm not there yet. I want to see, I want to see not only this season, but also like in future seasons, just continuing that growth and what he can do uh, night in, night out. I've got news for you. He's better than Jalen Brunson. <laughs> I, I was just trying to be nice because you're a Knicks fan, and I thought I would give you at least like a no, you know, you know, you don't, you don't have to be, you don't have to be. And and of all my Knicks hatred, like Jalen Brunson, aside from the contract, is like the least of it because sure. he's at least been solid. Whatever, we're not getting into the Knicks. Um, I, I was always a a Fox guy, and I found it so funny about the Kims when they traded Halliburton, who's like the analytics darling, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and everybody made it out that Halliburton is like the second coming of Chris Paul. Like, like it was Chris Paul at 22 years old that they that the Kings trade. I'm just like, he's a good player, but like. You know, the Fox yeah, yeah. Sabonis numbers kind of backed it up. And I was like, Sabonis is, has been the best player on a team that's won 45 games in this league. So, like, yeah, yeah. if you're telling me that this was a trade rape, like, I just don't believe it. Like, I just don't believe it. And I'm glad that finally they're getting it together now. And they've got uh, a coach who's more competent and is showing that now in Mike Four Brown. Times. And yeah. the Kings are exciting and good. And not just that, like Kevin Herter, who I've always liked, is shooting 50% from three this year, which is nuts. Yep, like, yep. this team's going to make the playoffs. Malik Monk, not bad either. Maybe that was just another thing for Fox, just having another person who's been in the foxhole with him, not to be, not to put a pun in there, uh, but just like having a guy who you were like, like established like a very good relationship with in college, like one of your best friends. Like everybody, I think everybody remembers like when they lost in the in, in the tournament. They were devastated. Was, I always they loved were devastated. That about it was them. like the yeah, right. It was the two of them like literally tears in their eyes and like their best friends. And they knew that you know they'd probably never get to play again with each other, but now they are. And I think having just another guy who you have that level of trust and um and and rapport with it, it helps. And, and Malik's been great for them too. I, I'm. I'm waiting to see what happens with this team closer to the deadline. Hopefully they're not sellers. I just I'm worried that No, they 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 have to be in. They they have to try and break this this no playoffs uh I'm with you. like that's I, that's I like, what, I like what Mitchell. I like I like Barnes. I like Murray. I, you know, I I like those guys on this team. It's a fun young team even if it's more guard heavy. I think it's still really like it's a, it's a tough team to game plan against when you have all these different guards with Sabonis, who himself plays like a point forward, basically, right? I, I just, it's a fun yeah. team. I don't know how far they'll go in the playoffs, but like, you know, it's worth it, I think, to just keep the team together for now. And if you can add a piece down the line, why not? And they drafted Keegan Murray over Jaden Ivey, which everybody panned them for because they had to take the asset. It was kind of like yeah. the same reason why they traded 
Halliburton for Sabonis after they drafted Mitchell. But like, I'm glad to see that it's paying off for the Kings. And by the Murray's way, well, Murray's not bad. Murray's not bad. He's no, Murray, Murray's very solid. Very, yeah. very solid. Can he be a star? Who knows? But like, because Jaden Ivey could be a star, but like, yeah. sometimes you just need to have guys who fit on a basketball team. And sure. Keegan Murray fits on a basketball team, what they're trying to do, especially once they committed to Fox that way and right. trade for Sabonis and committed to them. I And shout out to the Lakers for like the one role player that they got right the last couple of years. Um, I, I mean, they got a couple right, actually. Caruso, KCP, but they let them all go. And then from last year's team, shout out to them for letting Malik Monk go, the one guy who was really worth it. But yeah. Yeah. I, I, the they they had to let him go because they just knew they weren't going to be able to resign him, right? Like they they just weren't and based on their financials, they weren't going to be able yeah. to hold on to him. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm high in the Kings, man. And yeah, you know, we mentioned our our over under locks. We both had their over 33 and a half as a lock. And I don't know about you. But I feel great about it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're what fifteen games in? They've already won seven. I, yeah, I, I yeah. And based on just how bad the West is in general, I feel like I I definitely going to hit on the over on that without. A question. I wouldn't say the West is bad. I would just say it's average, and and there aren't yes. like you know it's just highly saturated all at like the same level. Um, mm. Well, that's a good transition to the Pacers because obviously, again, we touched on the Halliburton for Sabonis trade. Um, I fought back on everybody who said it was an absolute landslide for the Pacers. I never thought that to be the case. I'm glad, you know, history is on my side on this one, looks like. But Halliburton's been great. The, the numbers have been great. But it, to me, almost the story is like Benedict Matherin coming oh in as a rookie. Yeah. Oof. Oh, he's good. He's, so he's good. awesome. He's absolutely awesome. And this is another team that we thought was going to win in the 20s. And mm-hmm. right now they're about six and six or five and six, something along those lines. They're and seven, they're seven and six right now. Six seven and, and six, excuse me. And yeah. they play their asses off. Yeah. Yeah. And also it's really like you mentioned, Matherin is just so hard to not root for as a player. Like he has just like one of those like Giannis qualities of like a guy who just comes in, plays really hard, doesn't care that he's a rookie, doesn't care that his team is like, I guess, supposedly not supposed to be good. And he's just, I wouldn't say he's leading the team, but I think he's just, he's a, he's already established himself as like a young leader on that team, which, which, you know, is I think lacking some direction right now with where they're constructed. You, you still have Miles Turner on your team. You still have, um, what's his name? You still have Buddy Heald on this team. And then you have a bunch of kind of cast offs like Aaron Neesmith. You have journeymen like Tyson uh, and, um, and uh, what's his name? Um, uh, McConnell. You have all these guys who are kind of cast offs and vets, but you, but they're kind of allowing these younger guys to take leadership roles. And you're kind of seeing the benefits of what you're uh, of so, of what you're sowing here. Like it's a young, fun team that plays hard. Will those guys be on the roster towards the end of the year? Probably not because they'll have to figure it out. And I do think eventually they're going to want to fall back and that would make all the sense in the world. Sure. But it does go to show you that like, you know, guys who 
were kind of disrespected early on, you know, in terms of preseason projections. They come out, they play hard. They have a rookie who's not scared of anybody. And by the way, can we just cut the act already, Rick Carlisle, and just put him in the starting lineup already? Like, enough is enough already. I mean, what are we doing here, right? But it's it's a team that plays really, really hard. And yeah, especially early on when some of these teams don't have the continuity that they have, you know, with, with rest and whatever schedule losses, whatever, like they'll pick you off on a on a any given night. And, and they're going to be tough, even though they might not win 25 games. Yeah, no, very fair. I also we, we didn't even talk about Duarte, but I feel like Duarte, who's probably a guy who's going to get moved to the deadline. But would, it wouldn't surprise me if they kept him. Wouldn't surprise me if they held on to him. I mean, this, the numbers aren't backing it up, I'd say, just like looking at them at a glance here. But I feel like he's a guy who you'd want to have around, but for the right price, yes. you know, sell him, right? He's, he's a rotation piece. He's a yeah. rotation piece and would look even better on a team with a little bit more star power. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it's going to be interesting to see what the Pacers do. Another team that falls into this category that we thought was going to be absolutely terrible is the San Antonio Spurs, where we said had the most boring roster in the league that there was no reason to ever want to watch this team and meanwhile meanwhile they're another team that's playing above their heads yeah i mean i i might disagree with you just because they're they're six and nine i know whatever early once again but like they're still bottom two or whatever in the west i are they yeah 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 right now they're 13th in the west um they I don't know. I like I like Johnson. Pirtle's been fine. I mean, better than fine. Why are the Lakers better than them? Make the case. The Lakers are better because I still say they have a better supporting cast with star power, quote unquote star power, even though, you know, you're probably not going to get Anthony Davis. Do they, though? Do they have a better supporting cast? The Lakers are three and ten. Yeah, I, I just I, I'm looking now. Like you're basically you're relying on what is it, Keldon Johnson, number three on the on, on the Spurs. Keldon Johnson, yep. Yeah, Devin he, Vassell and Devin Vassell at 19 points. Yeah, but Pirtle, I mean Pirtle, I, I never really saw it with Pirtle. I know he's averaging a double double right now, but like, I, I, not a guy who I'm like. I feel like he's kind of averaging this well just because they kind of need him to. Like I, they only have two other centers on the roster, Diang and Bassey. And like those guys are basically combined for his amount of minutes. So and they're not really adding much to the table either. So I, I don't know, like guys like Langford hasn't done anything. Josh Richardson, I guess is another like classic rotational guy on like a deep team that could help you. But I, I, I'm not sure if I can agree with you on, on that. Is, is it too early on Sochan though? Maybe. Maybe I, I feel like so. He looks solid. like he's he's something now. Again, this team needs a couple of dudes, right? And they need to just like fall back a little bit. But the fact that they're six and nine, you know, again for a team that we thought could win seventeen games, right? Like that's playing way above your head, and, and you know, they yeah. deserve credit for that. And I yeah, think the last, true. the last team in this category. Mm-hmm. Is the Oklahoma City Thunder? Yeah. Oh my God. And yeah. they're different because they have a guy who's an All NBA caliber player, and he's on a stretch right now. And that's Shea Gillis Alexander, and he is on a stretch where he's absolutely unconscious. Yeah. I had this unpopular opinion 
Now, again, this was before the Chet Holmgren injury, and mm-hmm. I was a believer in Chet. But if Chet Holmgren was healthy, I thought this team would have pushed for a play-in spot. Even if Sam Presti didn't want it, I think they would have pushed because of the way SGA is playing. Yeah. How many so. guards are better than him right now? No, no, you you know, based on, I, I was I, I agree with you. SGA and he was like one of the he was one of my or the number one surprise, I'd say, for for positive surprises was just how good SGA has been. And I was gonna ask you this question uh right now, and I, I'm sure it's starting to to populate all the uh, mainstream media, but uh SGA versus Ja, who are you taking to build around right now? Because I'm taking I I think I'm taking SGA and I know that like, this is like another level of SGA going nuclear that we've kind of been seeing from jaw for the last two years, but I kind of like how SGA's game translates longer than I do with jaw, maybe just because of the physical attributes, but I just, I feel like Shay has done, I guess in this short time, he's done more with less especially with everything going around him, like, Hey, we're going to surround you with all these first round picks. Oh, by the way, Chet is now out for the whole season. Oh, we're also kind of tanking. Oh, we're going to give you some Chris Paul, which I actually think his tutelage was very helpful for him. Cause I think he's learning huge. I think he's learned. I forget who said it. It was either, it was either Bill Simmons or somebody on his podcast who was, they were talking hoops and it was how they were saying like how that tutelage maybe actually is very beneficial where, you know, if you had gotten him Russell Westbrook, his development is probably way worse if not uh, it, if not putting him like taking him out of the league, you know, um, or putting him in like a D'Angelo Russell category. Uh, but I think Chris Paul for that one season that he was there helped a lot with SGA kind of realizing what he can be as a player, but he's, I think his game translates better long-term than Jaws just because Jaw is like Westbrook athletically and like D Rose athletically. And at some point, you know, the the there is a cliff that comes with that and you have to show that you can develop other ways and i'm not saying that jock can't do it but i'm kind of more on the side of maybe this is recency bias just on sga's side i i, I think i think so a little bit john morant was the best player on a team that won over 50 games last year yeah and that's that's you know, a really well built team around him, though, right? Yes, no question. And you mentioned the year with Chris Paul where they made the playoffs in the bubble. And I actually, you know, really liked that team, mm-hmm. like that mix. Um, and then unfortunately for SGA, is they decided to go the completely opposite way and they basically shelved him, even though, like, was he hurt? Was he not hurt? Probably he could right. have played and they just shelved him for assets, which delayed his you know, development in terms of being this, but the numbers even last year were, were staggering when he played. The problem was, it was just like, we're not going to be very good. We're just going to shelve you. Right. Yeah, Cause yeah. we're going to play the lottery ball game. Uh, SGA is ridiculous. Yeah. He's absolutely ridiculous. He torched the Knicks this week. Absolutely he torched him. Not just the Knicks. He torches everybody. Like, yeah, yeah they no. beat the Knicks. They scored, they dropped 145 on the Knicks and they won. But they he had a twenty. He had a twenty-eight point third quarter or something like that. Yeah. It was it was it was silly, and he just hit that that game-winning step-back three. Oh my uh, god, that was, was ridiculous. last been, night, been, and he hasn't even yeah. been making threes. He hasn't even been taking threes. Like the production is just crazy. It's absolutely yeah. crazy. Yeah, and it's just the shame with the Chet Holmgren thing because I think like if. Chet was around and contributing, and we've seen rookies from this class contribute already. You know, we yeah, mentioned yeah. Matherin. Bancaro, even though he's been out, he's been ridiculous, right? 
We mentioned Keegan Murray. We mentioned a lot of these guys. Like if Chet could have given them Keegan Murray like production, like this team would be in the play-in race. I mean, if you just if you if you replace if you replace Ch- uh, Poku with Chet, how much better is that team, right? I think that's yeah, like, crazy, it's absolutely crazy. And that SGA trade for you know Paul George is oh uh, oof. I, I sent that to you. How many how many how many picks was it? Because it, it wasn't just SGA; it was also Gallinari. But it was SGA and Gallinari for what six picks, basically, yeah. <laughs> including pick swaps. I mean, insane, insane. And we can talk about later how disappointing the Clippers have been, but talk about like a sliding doors moment where if they just held on to SGA, what they do, and I'll defend, I'll defend them later. I'll defend the Clippers later because I guess they kind of had to do it. They were kind of, their arm was kind of. And it was a package deal with Kawhi Leonard. Exactly. That was, that exactly. was the issue. So we'll exactly. get to the Clippers in a second. Okay. So we just talked about tank, quote unquote, tanking teams that are, have overachieved. What's your next yeah. uh, biggest surprise? Uh, I would say, um, Paolo Bencaro, who we alluded to just recently, I, he's so like he's just he's like the definition of just like a, a of like not polished but like pro polished. You know, like his game is going to get better, right? He's very young, but like watching him with the package that he has in in his ability to score, he looks like he's been doing it for like seven or eight years. You know what I mean? Like it's it's kind of crazy for a rookie. Yeah especially with like how his last year at Duke went, like how good he actually is playing at with NBA level players. You know, it, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting him to score like 10 points, maybe here or there. I was expecting like more of like an Aaron Gordon rookie year. Maybe that's just because I'm having flashbacks with the magic and their first round picks. But like, that's just like, I wasn't expecting a guy at his size and where his skill was coming out of from college. I briefly watched the Duke. I wasn't expecting him to be, this good and this much of a difference maker, despite their record. I think they're better than what their record says they are right now. But I big, big surprise. And I, I mean, remember like coming down to like the wire of the draft, like it was a toss up between him, Chet and Jabari Smith. And while you and I agree that uh, Jabari probably was never going to be the the first of the, of those three pick guys to be taken. It's kind of crazy how it was even a question now. I'm going to defend Jabari Smith for a second. I think he's playing on the absolute wrong team, considering Jalen Green is a gunner, Kevin Porter Jr. is a gunner. I mean, Ryan Russell talks about this all the time. Um, He just – guards have to get him involved. But, no, the Paolo thing is is startling. The array of moves, the footwork, the handle that you didn't see last year. Like, there's just so much there. And there's no – bigger indictment on the difference between the NBA game in terms of being wide open and the college game than what you're seeing at Apollo Bancaro. And it's just absolutely breathtaking to watch, breathtaking to watch. My next pleasant surprise is I hate to do this, Boston Celtics. Oh my God! Thank, thank you for telling. Thank you for saying it before. I, I hate to do this, but the Boston Celtics. <laughs> I knew the Celtics were going to be good, but there was a lot of rumblings in the off season just about instability, and especially oh when coming from the coaching, you know, ranks. That's tough. Like that could be tough. And w- would it have surprised me if they got off to a sluggish start just because of the turmoil? No. And, and it would have been fine, right? Because you saw what Ime's 
profound effect was on that team last year, and he's not there this year. Mm-hmm. But they've come out like gangbusters. Oh, my like God. Absolute like, gangbusters. Like a vengeance. Like, it's crazy. The interim coach, who's not going to be the interim coach because he's going to keep the job because there's less – you know, I should say there's no baggage with him. He's He's fantastic. Jason Tatum is doing major Jason Tatum things that we haven't seen before, even more so than last year. Jalen Brown is doing Jalen Brown things, even though, again, he's just doing what he does at a little bit of a better clip. I I don't think the improvement rate for him is as drastic as the Tatum rate is, but, you know, the fact that they're getting off to this hottest start after all the turmoil in the offseason is is really it's surprising yeah i I mean i think you made a good point there like the 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 leap that tatum has made from last year where it really became apparent that he's going to be a superstar in the league as opposed to this year where now not only is he a superstar he's like mvp level and he's like mentioned now as like most definitely a top five player last year was not a fluke that makes sense because I think Tatum's profile and his ceiling has always been higher than Jalen's. But I, I have to say, though, that that being said, Jalen's consistent, even if it's like small um, growth, has been as big for them, if not worse. Because I yeah. feel like the issue for Jalen has always been the consistency point. And while over time he's been good, he makes boneheaded plays plenty of times, offensively, defensively. But I still think having that steady growth from him, even if it's small, has been huge for them because what they have been needing from Jalen has just been the ability to play off of Tatum. And when Tatum's yeah. out or when he's off, like having an off night, he steps up. And I think that's been more consistent so far in the season than what has been in years past. And I, I think he's right now playing, I'd say like at an all NBA level, he's averaging 25, six and three, his true shootings at 58.4. And then the last, uh, I don't know, I'm looking right now at his last five games. He's he's just, he's doing just that. I know, you know, small sample size, albeit, but he's been playing pretty well. The three point shooting numbers are down, but the free throw percentage numbers are up. And he's also taking more free throws, which I think just shows that he's being better about being more aggressive at the rim. And I think that's what you need for the Celtics team, because, you know, when your team isn't shooting well, even though this team is shooting incredibly well from three, um, shout out something to fall back on. Yeah. It's something to fall back on. Just having a guy who just knows, okay, we need a bucket to stop the bleeding here. I'm getting to the rim. I'm getting, I'm getting fouled. I'm getting myself recuperated and I'm going to start hitting my shots once again. So yeah, I, I think the growth from Jalen Brown, although smaller has been just as impactful as the Tatum growth. And you wanted to give your boy some, your boy, Sam Hauser, some love. So here's your opportunity. Um, I, I want to first apologize to the Hauser household because I think it was, I know we've only lost three games this year. Shout out us. Uh, but I think it was like our first or second loss where Hauser was playing a lot of minutes. And I think he took one shot and had like four fouls. And I was in a text group with a bunch of my friends, Celtics friends. And I was like, what's the point of Hauser being out there? if He's not even going to take shots. And I think he, he was forwarded my text because since then he's just been absolutely nuclear uh, best plus minus in the league. <laughs> he's like a, what a top three, top four, three point shooter in the league as well. I mean, he's just money. Like he is something that I don't remember the Celtics having since like, I don't know, Eddie house, James Posey is like a consistent three point shooter, which is all right. That's enough. That's enough <laughs> Celtics talk. All right. Enough, enough. I, I shouldn't have even said anything. Enough. Wait, last, last point though, about the Celtics is just, I, I guess, 
I didn't expect this team coming off of finals loss to be this hungry and this good, knowing what you said before, the offseason turmoil, the injury status of not only um, a time or Rob Williams, but also Daniil Gallinari, but just seeing how much better they're playing with each other, despite all of that. And then just also the addition of Malcolm Brogdon has just been, yeah. I know he's been out the last couple of games. He's been incredible for them. And I, I honestly like, one of the more valuable players, probably the third most valuable player on this team, fourth most behind Marcus, I guess. The last, um, the last pleasant surprise I've had is the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I thought that they were going to be good. I thought the fit with Mitchell and Garland was going to take a little bit more time to sure. be as seamless as it is, but here we are. They're awesome. You know, they, they've lost a couple of games here or there, and, and that's weird because Garland didn't play, Mitchell didn't play, Jared Allen's missed a couple of games. But when this team is all right, like, they are at the top of the East. Yeah. And I didn't think it was going to happen that fast in terms of them clicking, but my goodness, is it dynamic. And it just makes me so incredibly, incredibly sad and bitter. Uh, but, we're, again, we're not going to talk about that anymore. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. You wanted to interject. Uh, I was just gonna say, at least you didn't uh, pull the pull the Minnesota Timberwolves move and just send all of your draft capital for Rudy Gobert. So you know, take some flowers in that, and also separately, you're not the biggest dysfunctional team in New York right now. Well, that is that is true, which so, is I mean, shocking. Take some solace in that. I mean, because anytime you pay Rudy Gobert forty million dollars a year, you're basically punting your ability to win anything at a high level. So yeah. actually, that is a great segue. Mm-hmm. To our major disappointments. Yeah. Oh I God. assume we have, you know, one of the same, and that's uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, I think we can start there. I think when the trade happened, you and I were like, way too much. It'll be interesting to see if it can work. And then when you contrast that with how Cleveland's able to kind of stagger their bigs with Allen and Mobley, you're like, okay, having two bigs like that can work. But then you look across the way and you look at Towns and Gobert and it's like, it's like a bizarro world of like two dysfunctional bigs who are both think both thinking that they're alphas, but never have proven that they're an alpha, you know, and they're like trying to lead, but they can't really lead. And you're like, what? The vibes are just way off. I, Minnesota as a whole are just way off. Anthony Edwards hasn't been as good as what he was kind of finishing up the season of last year. D'Angelo Russell falling back down to earth. And then I guess some of those key guys that they actually needed in the playoff run, no longer there. And I think they're feeling it. And I don't like Pat Beverly. I don't really have a feeling about Vanderbilt either, but I feel like those two guys could be helping this team, you know? Well, the thing is, is just like the difference between Allen and Mobley and Cat and um and Rudy is you know Allen's not a complete minus on offense like Rudy is sure. and Mobley is as versatile a defender from a big spot as there is and Carl Anthony Towns is a bad defender yeah when having yeah. to defend on the perimeter and now you know all that's just clogging lanes for Anthony Edwards he's already bitching about it you know the D'Angelo Russell thing has not worked this year, like it, it worked towards the end of the year and it's just, it's a mess. And we talked about our over-unders in terms of us being, you know, confident. I think we both kind of bought into the Rudy Gobert regular season thing. 
Which where is we both, histor- historically, yeah, historically as much as I don't like Rudy Gobert, historically his teams win in the regular season, even yeah. though they're exceedingly limited. But that's why I don't feel pretty good about right now. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Definitely with you on that. I'm looking so, to see the. I'm looking to see what we what we actually had it at. Forty nine um, and a half, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's not. That's I don't. I don't. It's maybe just a little too early, but compared to some of the other teams that we bet the over and unders on, I, I would say that I'm not as confident in that. And as stacked as the West is in terms of a lot of teams basically being around the same talent level in terms of being good, like they're going to have a tough time climbing out of this. Yeah. They're going to have a tough time climbing out of it because you you just can't, first of all, you can't bank on them just picking up easy wins because how many easy wins are there in the league right now? The league is, is too talented. And nobody, and and as we said before, nobody who we thought, not nobody, but of the teams that we thought that were going to be absolute dumpster fires tanking for this year's draft, they're showing more fight than what we initially thought, which I guess, you know, makes sense to a degree because players don't want to be actively tanking. And, you know, some coaches are coaching for their jobs and you want to evaluate some of your talent. But I guess right now we expected a lot more three and 10 teams than six and nine teams or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, what, what's your uh, your next disappointment? I was gonna say Philly. Um, we, you and I both had the over on them. We're on the same page here, even though yeah. it seems to be turning around a little bit. It does. It does. I, I wonder where the Harden injury impacts them. I guess in well, a they're better. They're better without him. They're better without him, but I feel like they still do miss having that third score for them because it's not really Tobias Harris and when the chips are down and I know when the chips are down Harden's usually not there either but you know who also is never going to be there Tobias Harris so I'm concerned about what their prospects are going to be at during the deadline because I could see them try to add some wing talent to them maybe that comes from somebody like the uh, surprising Pacers you know maybe there maybe there's like a Chris Duarte trade there for example but um I'm not sure what, maybe it's just the vibe. Maybe it's just like doc being there has like kind of already like run his welcome there. I just, I want to see more from Embiid who I know hasn't played in all the games yet, but I just feel like I know he had this amazing. I was going to say he just scored 101 points back to back. I know he just had, he just had like a quadruple whatever almost, but like, yeah, I, I, I feel like he basically has to do that just for them to have a chance to win every night. And I don't think he can continue that pace as good as he is. Well, but that's what happens when you're a top five player in the league, right? So, yeah. like, that's what you have to do. That's the burden, right? That, yeah. That's what it is. I mean, if Harding gets back and stops dribbling the air out of the ball like he was doing before he got hurt, then they're going to do something. But we've seen it. Like, the formula of James Harden dribbling the air out of the ball isn't going to work because yeah. this team isn't, you know, Harden in the Harden Nets. Yeah, and I don't know why, or maybe they are, I guess, now. They're going to be moving away and just kind of having Maxi bring up the ball, kind of work and be as that first option. And then on the other side of the court, you just have James, who doesn't like moving around, just have him sit in the corner or on the wing. And then, you know, eventually the ball can get to him and he'll make a shot or he'll drive or something. But I, I hope that that's kind of what they're doing when he comes back to just address kind of their offensive issues. Because they have, on paper, it should work. And I feel like... It, it, by the eye test it should work just have him be the third option and just stay don't let him touch the ball until you absolutely need him to shoot i would love for the sixers to trade james Harden at the deadline for somebody who's a little less uh how should we say it um high maintenance um 
as soon it would be, as, it would as be as so funny. That, as soon as you hover that around, though, you know his hamstring is going to stay a little tighter, you know, so oh, it's not even. Grotesque, absolutely grotesque. So far, we're two for two on disappointments, and those are the two I had written down. So I know you had a couple of others. Let's start with the Clippers. What do yeah. you – is so incredibly disappointing about the Clippers because in terms of the standings, like obviously, yeah, you'd like them to be a little bit higher up, but it's not like they're so much further out and they've had a lot of turmoil from the top of the standings where they were projected. So what to use the most disappointing about the Clippers? I, I think it's just the whole Kawhi Leonard situation. Just looking back, you know, you had to make the trade, you had to sign him and then you had to make the trade to appease him to get Paul George. But just looking at what this team maybe could have been if they still had SGA, is, you know, I know that's like real sliding doors way back. So many other factors could have changed, but I just, I don't, I don't look at this team and I'm not afraid of them. Like uh, John Wall's leading the team with an assist and because Zubach is like, uh, whatever. He's like a fine bit. I feel like Zubach is like a, is like a rich man's Daniel Tice. Like I'm not, this team doesn't scare me at all. And then Paul George is nice, but you know, you have those playoff concerns with him. And as we've said, Kawhi just is not, He's just not available. And like, that's, I know we always joke about Anthony Davis, but Davis, I feel like Davis has played a lot more games in the last six years, seven years than Kawhi has. And I know Kawhi is a better player when it's all said and done, but you just can't rely on him as much, you know? Well, that, that, that's the crux of the problem, right? The whole thing, you know, works or in theory works around Kawhi Leonard being two-time finals MVP Kawhi Leonard, MVP candidate Kawhi Leonard. And unfortunately, he's just not that. He hasn't been available. He hasn't been healthy. And it's just, right, like we're in year four of this now, this experiment. And let's not kid ourselves. Every GM would have done it, had the opportunity to do it. They would have done it. But it's just, like, for them, it, it's almost like the Clippers are the Clippers. They're just going to be snake bitten. And that's just what it is. Yeah. It's, it's almost like it's, it's crazy because you and I were joking about how many games Ben Simmons was going to play this season or how many minutes he'd play and whatever, but like, at least he's out there. And I know people are questioning his heart and his want. And I know that his situation is definitely different than Kawhi. It just feels like it's, it's frustrating to see such a good player in this league, not be there because we've said like the West is just pretty meh this year. And I know the Clippers are eight and seven right now and it's early, but I want to see what the team actually looks like when Kawhi and George are on the, on the floor together for 40 games, 50 games, whatever. But I just don't think it's going to happen. Like, I don't think they're going to play him back to backs this year, but he's also like, I don't know how, how old is he now? He's like late twenties, early thirties now. Like there's only, he can't get any much, but he can't get much better skill wise. So I feel like we're, we're kind of at the peak moment and I'm just disappointed with where this team is and, you said it before, this, this league is so saturated with talent that by not having Kawhi on this team, you're really just like right now a less fun version of like the Thunder, you know? You have a bunch of like solo yeah. players with one amazing player around him because Kawhi isn't there. Yeah, it's – I thought it was very telling when he signed his extension – the latest extension that he didn't do like a, a one plus one or a two plus one. Like he actually – went for the full guarantee because if his body can't hold up, I mean, like he's legitimately a part-time player. Like it's embarrassing. Yeah. I, I'm not a, yeah, I, I don't know what happens after this season or even what happens at the deadline. Like 
I don't think the Clippers are going to move either of those guys. But in the offseason, if you're telling me that like KD and Kawhi or Paul George are both on the free agent market, are the two of them just going to team up somewhere? You know, is there a combination of, the, of them teaming up somewhere? And It's going to be weird because, no, I mean, Kawhi just signed that, that four-year deal. And he's going to, you know, the Clippers are going to have to have a come to Jesus moment where they could try and move off this and just start anew. It's, it's very strange. And I just, you can't pay a guy that much money to be a part-time player. You just can't, no. can't do it. It's, yeah. And I feel bad because they, cause right. Cause when the trade or when the signing and trade happened, right. Balmer was already the owner, but it was like recent enough where like, they kind of just had to like, they kind of just did a reshuffling of the deck of how they're, yeah team and organization were structured and they're just always like constantly just finding solid like wing pieces and solid guys who can play on playoff teams and winning players but like they just never put it together and like you kind of want them to especially because the lakers are so bad you're like please someone like take this like mantle in la please somebody but nobody seems to want to do it so once again disappointed are they going to be a playoff team? Probably. Are they going to get knocked out uh, by the Timberwolves? Maybe not the Timberwolves, but, you know, they could get knocked out in the play-in tournament. Right. So. All right. So you, you had um, – I think you had one more after this. Yeah. I, I was just going to say that the, you and I were both really high on how the Pistons and Magic were going to be. And I know, once again, caveat, it's early, 15 games in, whatever. It's just – I expected more from this Pistons team. Um, and I know Cade's been out yeah. a little bit, but it's just based – on how good Jaden Ivey's been based on how good uh, Bogdanovich has been. Um, and then who's the other rookie that they drafted uh, this year? Jalen Duran. Jalen Duran. I, I feel like they should be better. Granted, they've been playing some really tough teams. I know that, yeah. you know, they, that's part of it built in is that schedule. And, you know, they're putting a lot on the shoulders of these young guys. I just kind of expected a little bit more from them. And I'm worried about our over under total for that team. But it, we, I think it was at like over, over under 29 and a half. So I'm not. Yeah. The only, re- the only reason why I'm not worried about it is because Kate has missed time. They've had a uh, an early, you know, a, a difficult schedule early. Like they've played Milwaukee a couple of times. Like I just think that when push comes to shove, them in Orlando will rack up wins. I mean, pa- Paolo's also missed time, right? So yeah, like yeah. them in Orlando will rack up wins when you know those guys are healthy. And I still maintain kind of like a hot take that both of those, you know or I should say one of those teams will finish ahead of the Knicks in the standings. Yeah. But... I mean, they, 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 and I mean like Orlando, like Orlando beat Dallas and Phoenix like last week. Right. So like, it's yeah. not like they can't beat good teams. It's just like the inconsistency that I have to remind myself that these are young teams that are pretty dysfunctional. So you kind of have to give them some rope at least. Yeah. Yeah. And you saw the Pistons play well at the end of last year. So yeah. It, I, I kind of think that that's the way it's going to be again this year. Like they're going to come on late and and then in terms of our over under, they'll get to that total, you know, sort of later on in the year right now, it looks a little grim. Um, okay. So, what, so what other over unders uh, if you had to pick one that you feel good about besides for the Kings and one that you don't feel good about besides the ones we mentioned, what would you pick? Um, you and I, I think, pretty easily hit the hit was smashing the under on the nets. So yeah, <laughs> feel very confident in that because every other day there's a new press conference or a new press clipping or somebody gets fired or somebody says something. And, you know, KD just threw his whole team under the bus and he, you know, hold on he, one second, just stay there for a second. Yeah. When you saw that quote come out, did you think it was from like 
ball sack sports or butt crack sports because I did. Like, I could not believe that was a real quote. I it was so it was so unreal that I thought that he he went further than like a ball sack sports you know like troll account like he went he went he he named he named the players he he did everything short of just like yeah. giving their blood types when it came to like talking about how bad they were although to be fair he's not wrong now part of that is his own doing right <laughs> he he has had two coaches fired there. He joined with Kyrie. He signed off on the Harden trade, signed off on the second Harden trade. He signed off on Ben Simmons. Like this, a lot of this is his own doing or partially his, his own doing. It's just like, it's, it's not, it, it's such a, it's hilarious to think that they are a lottery team in a year that could have had Wembenyama and or Scoot Henderson, but they're just not going to even come close to sniffing the the, the rewards of that pick. Yeah, well, you can count the Lakers in that situation, too, because they really might get a top two pick, and that pick will go to New Orleans. Um, my two that I feel good about, obviously, was the unders for the Lakers and the Nets. But the other one, the over that I feel good about, and we mentioned the Kings, is – I'm trying to think. I, I still I still feel good. I mean, I feel good about the over for the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. Like that I mean, was a high over 52 and a half. And let me uh let me let me let me try to pull up some because I, I, I don't have the full uh list in front of me. Hold on. Okay, now I feel I yeah, but I feel good about that one. The one yeah. I don't feel great about right now that we haven't mentioned is we both were Phoenix Sun skeptics. Yeah. Yeah, 52 and a half. We thought that, you know, there was just a lot of bad juju after getting smacked the way they did in the playoffs last year. Is is right the proper Yiddish term? Is that the proper Yiddish term? Yes, exactly. Yeah, definitely. And they've come out like gangbusters. And Devin Booker is has taken another step because Chris Paul has been out and you're seeing that like. He's now he's now the leader of the franchise. Like this is his franchise. Yeah. I I like the Suns, right? And I think the only reason that we we took the under was because of just how weird it was that it ended. And I don't think we really took into account how bad the ownership was around him and now that that kind of got sorted out right around the time we made our predictions, I think that kind of did lift a cloud uh from them and, you know, Chris Paul's going to be playing hard throughout the regular season. The question is, can he stay on top? And we, we had the under at what 52 and a half and we took the under, Yeah, but yeah, the slight under. Yeah. So look, I mean, Jay Crowder still isn't playing for them for whatever reason. I still am waiting for the other shoe to drop with the, with, uh, with, uh, with Aiton. And, you know, there's always a Chris Paul injury that sidelines him for 10 to 15 games. So, you know, Oh, and then they also, and what, what, who, what they, they lost, uh, what's his name to it, to a knee injury. Uh, Cam Johnson. Yeah. Who, I mean, solid, solid role player. Like, are they a team that's going to be a buyer at the deadline? A hundred percent. I just, they're, it's, I'm not, I'm not writing off our underpick on them yet. You know, I'm more actually shocked about the Warriors right now at their over. So that was going to be our last question. My last yeah. question. How worried are you about this Warrior situation? The bench is bad. The defense is really bad. Steph Curry is still a top three player in the league and playing like it. But how nervous are you about this warrior situation where it's just like, are they really this bad? I'm not worried. I, I think they're, they'll figure it out. And I think they'll make some trades and some moves too. I mean, Wiseman has just been 
horrendous horrendous crazy and i know that like when he was in during his draft year everybody was like wiseman really isn't like your typical number one overall pick but he kind of had the makeup of it physically where you're like okay maybe this guy can actually be something good i mean he's just i think they 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 send him down the g league yet or they threaten to yes i mean just total bust pick they kind of got pushed into it because they weren't really sure about Lamelo ball who honestly hasn't been that amazing either and also just got hurt last night again so you know, maybe it's chalk it up to like a bad draft. Um, and they just picked like the worst year to tank, I guess. But like they have picks that they can throw around, they have good infrastructure around them, and you know, they they're a championship team. They still have a solid Clay Thompson, they still have Draymond's Well, Clay has been horrific. I know he's but been horrific, but I, eventually I, he's gonna have to make shots. I think and I think he will. I think he's still coming off of the playing too much too soon after the double ACLs. I think that's the issue for him. I think he still needs some time to get back to what he what he not was but like i don't know if he can get back to like 70 percent of what he is this is still a a 52 plus win team i think i i I think they're that good what's crazy about the warriors is their starting lineup still is like one of the best two or three lineups in the league in terms of plus minus in terms of the analytics and then just everything else around them is is just gross so i i do think they'll lean on that I do think that they'll figure out some role players like they had last year, Otto Porter, like guys like that, Gary Payton the second that they'll figure out, they'll get them in the door. I, I'm not too worried about the Warriors yet. Yeah. In terms of their over-under, maybe, but sure. as a as a team, I'm not too worried about it. All right, Avi, we'll let you go on that one. This was great as always, and um, thanks again for doing it. You're always one of my favorite guests, and now you can honestly say that – I've given the Celtics some love and it's not just all negativity for me on that front, even though you're a Nuggets fan and that's (laughs) what it is. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy to come back on as soon as Katie requests a trade to China or wherever, but uh, just let me know. Not far off. Who knows? Because he's a crazy person as great as he is. Good to see you, bud. I'll speak to you soon. Yeah. It's easy later. Thanks again to recurring guest Avi Wexler for coming on, talking about NBA, recapping some of our predictions. What, looks good what doesn't look good our pleasant surprises our disappointments always great to talk to him even if i ask him last minute he's always super reliable i'm thankful for that and that's episode 184 for the love of the game take us out 50 cents. so i see i had to start showing you no farts a whole other side i wanted to not show you so you know you're not dealing with some parts smell a little soft yellow pump right So don't push me, I got something for you. Keep thinking I'm right now I'm on the edge. So don't push me. So don't push me, video. So don't push me, I got something for you. Keep thinking I'm. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Believe. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.